Welcome to the Thad Talk series on compassion. For this 10-week series, we have a variety of interviews lined up to challenge our perception on what compassion means in our lives today. I can't wait to introduce you to some wonderful people who have been an inspiration in my life, and they're going to share with us their wisdom on compassion when it comes to difficult topics and hard-to-have conversations. As humbly as I can say it, thank you for sharing your time with us, and may these unfolding conversations be an inspiration in your life. Welcome back, everyone, to another Thad Talks. I'm excited to introduce to you guys today Ashton Gustafsson. Gu- <laughs> See what I mean? Just let it rip. Gustafsson. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ashton uh, and I actually met uh, the very, very first podcast uh, that I was ever interviewed on was actually your podcast, Ashton, uh, Good, True, and Beautiful. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's it. And um, we kind of just hit it off. Conversation kind of just flows naturally when, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely one of those younger folks who is also simultaneously an old, old soul. And I, th- I think you just have a beautiful gift of interacting with people and engaging and flowing the dialogue. And you're, you're quick to reach out to seek wisdom from other people. And you kind of just extrapolate these bits and pieces and, and bring it all together in a really beautiful way. And so I'm excited to talk about your podcast, your work, and what you do, and um, and some compassion in your life. But I would like to just start first with if if you could just give us a brief bio on who you are and what you do, and why are you even doing a podcast in the first place? Yes. Well, all very kind remarks. Thank you for those. Um, I... By day, I guess I kind of play business, have a couple of real estate companies um, across all different things, real estate brokerage, management, uh, private equity, and things like that. Um, it was 2012, the August of, August of 2012, whoa, six years ago, like to the day, it feels like. Um, and uh, I had done what you do in your 20s, run really hard, 9,000 RPMs a day, boasting and how much sleep I'm not getting, two Red Bulls, one for breakfast, one for lunch, maybe a decent dinner, and practically did that for a decade. And that all came crumbling down in August of 2012. So I had this huge adrenal fatigue. I had um, just... You you name the disorders <laughs> to the body, uh, they were happening, and I took an 18-month journey, and uh, finally, 18 months in, it was October or so of 2013, uh, I got really sick again, and uh, I, was, I was ready to uh, listen to the lesson that was trying to get through to me, and I'll never forget that um, I just had, we had a daughter. We just recently had another daughter. She was probably eight months old or so. And for whatever reason, I told my wife, I said, you guys need to go to your parents for the weekend. And um, I, I, I got some things that I need to get worked out. And I've got a blank journal and I'm turning off the blogs, no email, no technology. Uh, I've got some Walt Whitman here with me. 
And uh, I'm, I'm just going to be really still and silent because that is the only thing that seems to make sense to me right now. And, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't, uh, this was a message that was trying to get to me for a long time. I disobeyed it. I'd felt the quote unquote still small voice. Uh, I'd known that a nap was probably a good idea once a decade, but you know, you can't do that. And, um, one day after being silent, these words just kind of came to me and it was make your life more and more about less and less. And I, and I took that little phrase and even to this day, I'm trying to determine what that means. Cause in, in, on one hand, uh, I haven't understood it at all. (laughs) And another, in another hand, I've started to hold it a little bit. And so I began to totally reevaluate my faith, reevaluate the way I operated in the world, reevaluate business, life, relationships, uh, mentality, um, physicality, all of it. I started coming across, um, you know, the tradition that I come from. So so many of these uh, mystics, both alive and those that have passed away, St. Francis, St. Augustine, Father Richard Rohr, Jim Finley, Meister Eckhart, um, John O'Donohue, um, Paul Tillich, he wrote The Courage to Be, Father Thomas Merton, Henry Nowen, and I put my nose in these books and I, I've yet to take it out. And um, the, the wisdom that I've gained from, from some of these individuals um, is some of the richest, beauty that I've come across thus far in the human experience. And so, uh, I start reading these guys and, you know, I'm in the business world and doing whatever, but then I kind of didn't get my kicks on that anymore. I'm like, wisdom, wisdom wins. I want to, I want to know more about wisdom. And, uh, long story short, I didn't have anyone to have these talks with. I didn't know you. I didn't know AJ. I didn't know all these people that I've had on my podcast. And so I just started sending emails to the authors that said, would you talk to me? And if you will, can I record it and put it out there into podcast form? Um, and, you know, when you kind of go on these journeys, um, hero's journey and, and all that, it's it's hard to process sometimes at the local level um, because you're morphing, you're changing your uh, you're becoming uh, something anew. You're being transformed, and it's hard to put it into words, and it's hard to have those conversations. At least I've found that it was. Um, and so, this whole little side sandbox project that I have of this podcast called "Good, True, and Beautiful" uh, really is just birthed out of um, the longer I'm in the game, the more I know that I don't know, and the longer uh, I'm in the game, I know that wisdom is uh, ha- has been a, a wonderful thing to give meaning to my days. Um, and that it's also this thing that once you've been given it and once you've been given eyes to see it and taste it, the raddest thing you can do with it is repackage it for other people to see if it can be a gift to them as well. Um, and so... 
I don't know if I've ever really put it all into words like that, but that's why we're here. And um, I'm just super curious about the dip, the small, subtle differences that have had impact in people's lives. And if you're a chef, a pastor, an artist, a normal human being that doesn't quote unquote have a story, I don't care. I'm, I'm crazy curious about what gets people out of bed, how they can sustain a sense of beauty and purpose and meaning in their life. Um, and it's, it's just like, you can't ever stop learning about it. And so that's where I'm at. And you and I have become friends somehow. And apparently we're here to talk about compassion. So enough about me. <laughs> well, and I want to, I, I want to respect just the, the humility that you have and, and, you know, I think people often go, oh, man, that person's so smart or so wise. And the, the, the truthfully, and, I, and, and, I, and I, I mean this in the best compliment I can give, is the truthfully the wisest people I've ever met will, will always acknowledge that their wisdom actually came from outside sources that they've had to study and learn over time. And it wasn't easy and then have since then decided to, as you call it, repackage and share that back with with the world i think i think that's part of the gift of the opportunity that we have yeah you know there's always if it's true there's always some paradox involved and uh um so what does it mean to have eyes that you've seen you've seen in a different way i mean wisdom a life that's pursuing wisdom is is uh day by day hour by hour minute by minute aha after aha of, oh my gosh, I thought it was that way, but it's like this. And uh, unless the grain of wheat dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. What is that all about? I mean, that's that's paradox, but that's wisdom, right? Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, I I think that's the great, um, the litmus test in a way uh, is, you don't hoard it and you also don't use it as a weapon. Um, but you, you show up from a different place to, to speak compassion. You, you show up from a place of, um, I don't have all the answers, but I've, I've, I've been there before and I found this little tidbit and, um, maybe it can help you. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm sensing that something there could be my life's work with this podcast. If it doesn't ever really do much, so be it. But I'm going to keep asking questions into the ether webs and sending them out there to the world because uh, I love it. I enjoy it and um, keeps me curious. Well, and there's, there's two things that, that you mentioned that I, that I want to touch on really quick. The, the first one, I think, is probably the knee-jerk reaction that should have caught most of us by surprise. We are we are in an age of, of technology. Everybody talks about it, our addiction to, to, to constantly being connected. And the more connected we are, actually, you know, the, the irony is the least connections we actually have in, in the real world. But this notion that you talked about putting away all technology was your starting place to find wisdom when... When I would say, if somebody said, 
well, wisdom's at your fingertips, we automatically think, boom, it's Google, right? I can, whatever you need, just just ask me. I, I have my phone, I have my computer, whatever, I'll, I'll Google it for you really quick. And and I love this notion that you're saying, well, actually, when you finally decided that your life, your work, this this pace that was obviously physically killing you um, was not working for you, you couldn't sustain it long term, your reaction wasn't to bury yourself in the computer or all these other opportunities to, to learn, it was to actually shut everything down and be quiet. And, and I think that has got to be one of the scariest, hardest things for us to do. in you know, 2018, maybe 20, 30 years ago, it would have been different, but how did you get the courage to actually politely ask your family to take off and shut the entire world out? Yeah, I, I mean, I was so spent that I I, ju- I can't overstate this enough that there just wasn't any other option. Like there wasn't, mm. it was clear that even though there was bodily malfunction, every doctor would be like, ah, well, we see the problem, but man, I don't know, hope that fixes itself. I mean, they didn't, they, they you know, like, well, here's some medicine, it's 1200 bucks a month. I'm like, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Um and and I finally was just like, I time out on all of this. Um, and you're right. Silence, uh, for some of us, silence is the scariest thing that's out there. Thomas Merton says, um, if we have no silence, God will not be heard in our music. Um, and you may hear that quote and go, eh, and, and if that quote doesn't sit well with you, I get it. It's totally okay. Uh, but for me, it, Enneagram 4, that lives in the world of metaphor and music and poetry, um, I have learned that systematic stillness, silence, and solitude for me um, is the place where I can go to find out what is what is good on the inside, what is true and what is beautiful about this human experiment, human experiment that I am living in the world. Um, and for those of us that will go there, um, I was actually having this conversation with someone today that once you, once you learn the, the beautiful sides of silence, stillness, and solitude, Thomas Keating says, it's when you go on vacation from yourself. <laughs> I love this phrase to go on vacation from the self you think you are your business card the the logo on your shirt the the church you attend the all of these labels and symbols and logos that we attach that 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 you think make up you and you actually go and you interact and connect with the you uh that's always been there the you that can't be dressed up with um, logos and everything else, the you uh, that is the Imago Day, the you that has been connected with his or her source uh, forever, the you that always will be. Um, and I'm sure that some of this language I'm using for some of your listeners may, may be like, who is this redneck and what on earth is he talking about? Um, <laughs> but I, I, uh, it, by no means am I showing up here with a map and saying, hey, you guys, here's, here's the map. Uh, I'm More than anything, I'm just reflecting on the few steps recently in these last few years that I've taken on my map. And um, 
And I've found that, that stillness, silence, and solitude, it eventually isn't this place that you go to, but it, it, it starts becoming the place from which you come from. And so a lot of people are like, well, I need to go be still for 20 minutes, or I need to go carve out solitude, or I need to go meditate, or whatever. That's like, that's still an ego conversation you're having. Um, 90% of the work is just wanting to be quiet, wanting to be still, wanting to experience solitude. And, and if you can, if you can want that, then I can promise you um, things get real interesting. Um, and you learn to no longer identify with your obsessive, overwhelming thoughts that are always there. You know, there's, there's uh Buddhist tradition calls it monkey mind, you know, just jumping from tree to tree. Um, and you center and you're ground, you're, you, you know, this is a steadfast grounded place of presence. And what I'm finding is that that then becomes the place from which I can show up in the world. And, um, you're not as offended as often. Of course you can be offended. We all will be offended, but you're, and, and you're not defending everything. You know, when you go, when you go into that, that quiet place, there's nothing to prove. And you hope that there's nothing to run, run from and that there's just this place to be, um, you know, how many times have we heard from our tradition that says, be still, be still and know that I'm God. Um, it doesn't say, go run the world marathon, go do this, go jump that this and jump over that hill and climb that mountain. Be still. And, and if the tradition begins at be still, then I think there's something that's really, really significant there, especially when we're running around with these things in our pockets that are faster than any computer you and I had growing up with and um, and are probably doing all crazy things to our brains with adrenaline hits every time we get a text and a new email and someone retweeted something that we said. Surely that isn't the most beneficial thing for the interior work <laughs> that we probably all need to be doing. Um, so that's my biggest aha recently is that, that silent stillness and solitude isn't the place you go to it eventually becomes this place where you come from and that to me feels like something that could really really heal the world in slow and unnoticed ways but i think collectively we would feel it what i enjoy most about these these podcasts and these interviews and 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 just the opportunity over the past couple of years to meet folks like you is, you know, I, I, I came from this world of I ran the companies and everybody needed something from me, right? They, they called me because I was the expert in, in my field and showed up. And, and I, was never, I was never the one really calm and sitting and listening. And, and, of course, I was young and had a very strong ego, and I still do, but it's just even this opportunity, right? Just to this simple conversation, it's the the shift of going for waiting for my turn to speak towards more of the shift in perspective or, or even just the posture, right? Of what am I hearing? And, and just even this notion of you talking about being still as a reminder of like, yeah, actually I've heard it a thousand times. I've done it a thousand times. And yet 
right now I'm in a season to where I need to sit and be still. I think, you know, it's such a gift because you were, you know, in the beginning when you were talking about your story, you were opening up with this. And and I hope I quote you right here where you said, make your life more and more about less and less. less. Yeah. Yeah. Can, Can you break that down a little more? Well, the uh, the Reverend Zig Ziglar has said uh, most of us are wondering generalities, and what we all really want to be is meaningful specifics. And I'm sure there's all types of literary problems with how that's phrased and said and whatever, but grammatical errors. But um, you've you've we we've all gone through a day where we're just this wondering generality. And we were everything to everybody, and we were uh, everything that we thought we needed to do, and we get up, and the alarm clock goes off, and the alarm clock just so happens to be our cell phone. So the first thing we do is check email, and then we freak out about the fire that's in our inbox, and then we go to Instagram, and then we may or may not eat breakfast. We get to the office, put out fires, go throughout our day kind of do some little things here and there that we need to do, eventually get home, eat a fast food dinner, and then turn on Jimmy Fallon and ask, how did we get here? Mm. And and like the the rough, the, it's just, it's such a bummer that that's true and that that's been me more often than it hasn't been. Um, and yet the, and I'm just speaking from my personal experience the most frustrating and dark days for me are, are when I do get to the end of the day and I go, I don't even know. I don't even know what that was about. There wasn't any meaning. There was just, there was just movement. Um, maybe I was correct in a lot of things, but I wasn't connected. Um, maybe I accomplished a lot, but I don't feel at ease and rested. Um, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. And so I've really, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at a notepad that's just here in my office. And I was taking notes on what to ritualize in my days coming up. Wisdom, of course, that was number one. Nature, silence, fitness, relationships, transformation, and connection. Um. And none of those are like really noticed to anyone but me. They're not, no one's going to retweet that I went on a walk around my block. Right. Um, But I'm learning, I'm, I'm being still enough to learn myself and know that I have to have these metrics each day that are just kind of tuned to how my soul's been wired. And, um, for me, that's what it means to make your life more and more about less and less. Just to de- define what do you really want? Most of us don't really know what we want. We just go get what everyone else is getting or what everyone else tells us to go get. Um, but I want my life to count. I want my kids to um, I want my kids to know beauty, compassion, and peace. Even more than I want them to know, like, how to work the Dewey Decimal System at the library. Like, 
whatever it is that our kids are doing, the, the latest multiplication charts or whatever, like those are all ego things for me. Do I want them to be good at math? Yes. The problem is ask Google any math problem and he'll tell you, you know, what it is. I, I, I'm really curious about how do you raise a human being to be compassionate and to have empathy? Because I think, I think leadership very, very soon, if it's not already happening today, the great, great leaders of tomorrow that are going to shape businesses that change our lives and that people will follow are going to be people that see through the lens of compassion and empathy, people that can leave their shoes and enter another one's shoes. And I, and I really, really think, I believe this, this is like a book. Maybe you and I can co-write it. Like, I think, I think leadership, uh, is really going to stop being a conversation about how to get people to follow you, which I guess there's a little bit of that that's there. Um, but how do you get people to lead themselves? And how do you get people to have eyes of empathy and compassion? And how do you get those people to see the thing underneath the thing? And if you have a business, a body, a church, a movement, a tribe, a family, and that's question number one, how can we create uh, uh, healing people? How can we create create people that, that see well? Um, that's super interesting to me. And so uh, one, of, one of my checkpoints currently is with my kids, with my wife. You know, are we synced up? Are we, are we seeing things eye to eye? Um, and and then, then we can enter in the mix of some of this business stuff and whatever. But we, we buy our PR too much on, on our jobs. Like there's so few things that are probably essential of what we do every day and in, in, in the way we make a living. The problem is we think everything matters equally, but I bet you the Pareto principle, 20% of what you do leads to 80% of your effectiveness and 80% of what you do probably creates 20% of whatever your revenue or income is. So like, what's the 20%? Are you getting really good at that 20% that creates 80% of the energy that you do? You know, you're talking about how do you actually, I mean, let's, let's just run in the business or the work, workplace example. When you're talking about empowering people to, to be leaders in their own lives, and if you are a leader, that sentence would terrify you. Because no, 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 my, my power is built on fear and control. If you take that away, how am I going to manage these people who are quote-unquote below me or subordinate to me? And And I think... You know, I, I will say this from running from running companies, when people would ask me, Thad, what do you do for a living? I'd say, Well, I'm a firefighter, and they go, What do you mean? I go, Well, all I do is spend all my time putting out fires. I don't actually get to really work or help create or enjoy things. And and that's actually true for most of the, you know, managers or CEOs or, you know, leaders of companies that I've met because we don't encourage or help co-create opportunities for people to empower themselves with what they already have and instead of seeing that as a fear or a setback it's like no the opportunity to lead through compassion to to empower empower people with what what power they actually already have this is not something you're giving this is something they actually it's innate in them is 
going to only make them better employees and more effective and bring more growth and prosperity and compassion and, and, and you know, purpose in, into the business in and of itself. Um, and and that's, that's the weird irony in all of this. But I, I think something that you were hinting at that you were getting towards is you say, okay, well, how do, how do we get to this point where, where we want to inspire people to have more compassion with themselves? And what you were talking about was, well, it actually starts with having compassion with yourself, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it, in, until, I, until I could get to that place where I was like, oh, man, Ashton, um, hey, dude, it's okay to not be okay. And, and it's okay to, to not be that big of a deal. And it's, it's okay to not have off-the-chart net worth. And it's okay. Like, all of that, I only did what they told me to go do in college. Like, you just, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, just go crush it. You know, build it. You're an entrepreneur. You're whatever. Um, and, I, and I think that that is a... a lesson that works like there's there's something to be learned there I, th- I think i couldn't have learned this lesson any other way um but once um i had compassion for myself then then i started to not judge everyone else so hard either and i could go oh man me too i've been there he doesn't he she doesn't know what she doesn't know and she'll get there and that's okay. It's part. We're 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 all figuring this thing out. It's all a school of love and compassion, and we're figuring it out. And we're all figuring it out in our own timetable and different ways. Um, and so that was huge for me to um, discover that it's an inside job, and it's all an inside job. And so, and I've said the same thing you have. I just fight fires. Well, guess, guess, you know, one of these things you and I have talked about before, Anais Nin, she says, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Well, if all I'm saying I do is fight fires, then chances are there's some fires within my chest that, that probably need to be fought a little bit. Or there's probably something that's going on within me. If it's, if it's true that we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are, then if, if all I'm seeing in the world is competition, then I'm probably pretty, I'm probably competing with myself in a way. If all in the world, the only way I see the world is through the lens of critique, chances are I'm critiquing myself. But if, but if I'm seeing the world through the lens of compassion, then chances are I've probably learned what it means to be a little bit compassionate with myself. And if I'm finding ways to be a redemptive presence in the world, then I'm probably finding out ways to carve out time and space to create a sense of, of that redemptive presence within. That's always there, by the way. Um, we're the ones that's typically in the way. And, and test that out for yourself. Don't don't take my word for it. That um, the days when I see through the lens of judgment, critique, uh, difference, uh, in, out, up, down, whatever that is, um, that's an inside job. There's there's something going on within. 
and um, we can only pray to to be aware to aware of that a decent percentage. If I'm honest with myself, I'm probably batting a hundred at my best <laughs> of of saying, "Oh yeah, I'm 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 a little judgmental today. I'm critiquing everything. Um, I'm finding a way to be a victim right now." That's that that takes some. It's tough to look in the mirror. Um, but when you do, uh, you're not so hard on the world that's around you either. And that's not to say that there aren't injustices and people, things that people should not do. But I've just found it's a lot more peaceful to go, man, she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And uh, actually I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday in, in a story that's pretty rough and I just said, man, I got, I've got compassion for that guy. Could have been me. Could have made a bad decision. I'm, I'm probably a bad decision away from anything like that, you know. And he just didn't know what he didn't know. Someone didn't show him a better way along the way. Um, and I think that's what it means to be a redemptive presence in the world. That's part of growing up and learning what it means to be human. I don't. Know, I, I think that quote is so beautifully written because. I mean, right, just, just this concept of what you're talking about of, you, you know, and I often talk to people and you say, okay, that person's, they're angry or they're yelling at me or something. I say, well, oftentimes that means, you know, you, you know, I've heard the phrase that we are just mirrors for other people and other people are mirrors for us. And so we see what we want to see and that will bring out our anger, or bitterness, or resentment or whatever, which is actually just a reflection of what's going on inside myself and and I think you're right because go out and go out and test that for anybody that's listening, because I can promise you that I learned the hard way that, okay, that's right. If I'm out there judging and angry and bitter at the world, that's actually because I'm judging and angry and bitter within myself. But when I have a day of when I'm rooted and calm and joy and compassion, anybody can cut me off in traffic and I will go, Oh man, they must be late for a doctor's appointment. Right? Like just the, the entire pendulum just shifts. That's right. And this notion of, you, you sent me this quote of, although I'm not you, I'm no other than you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that reality that, okay, if, if I believe that I am worthy of love and grace and compassion, then that's actually what I'm going to see in the other person. And, and you made this comment to me when we were chatting, catching up earlier about it almost seems selfish to work on compassion within yourself first. And, and what I would say to you and anybody else and to myself is actually, no, if you do not take time to have compassion and grace and love for yourself, you will not physically be able to authentically offer that to anybody else. And that's where we, 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 we miss our opportunity with that quote, that Jim Finley quote, um, to say that I'm no other than you is, well, actually everybody around us deserves that love and grace and compassion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I remember when I, where I was when I was interviewing Jim and he, Jim just spits fire and truth. Like it is just, we, I mean, it, you're like, where on earth is this coming from? Can you just turn this off for a minute? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, and although I'm not you, I'm no other than you. And um, I was like, whoa. And then, and Mark Nepo, 
a guy that I've recently discovered. And there's another thing about the wisdom journey is like, there's nothing more fun than discovering a new voice that you didn't know existed. And they just mm-hmm. ring your bell and you're like, who is this guy? Oh, he's got 25 books. Great. I'm, I'm set for the next six months. Um, and that's been, that's been Mark Nepo for me. 2018 has been the year of Mark Nepo. And, and he'd said, the further I can go into myself, I can find you. And the further I can go into you, I can find myself. Mm. And um, just uh, imagine, imagine getting that right 30% of the time. Just one out of three times. Yeah. When strife hits, challenge happens, headwinds, whatever it is, be it business, a board you serve on, a committee you chair, like just having that little, I mean, that's like forearm tattoo worthy, right? Like it's that necessary that we should have that. The further I can go into myself, I can find you. And the further I can go into you, I can find myself. But that, that is a, um, that is a healing posture. That, that, that is, that is a posture, um, where I'm telling you, it's not going to be retweeted much and it may not even be noticed that much, but, but you will be able to get to the end of your day if you are watching Jimmy Fallon and in that last little thought before you drift off to your dreams, you will have a, a, just a hint of a moment of where you can say, I'm, I'm glad I did. In lieu of saying, I wish I had. And the days when I was so bummed and wore out when I, I just, I didn't have that. I'm glad I did moment, you know, to make your life more and more about less and less. I didn't, I wasn't satisfied, fulfilled, nurtured, nourished, maybe that's a better word. Um, and, and I don't know if anything in the human experience hurts worse than regret. And I think that was part of the reason why I was so stinking sick is because it was just day after day after day after day of regret of like, man, I, I did the map. I did what these people told me to do. And my heart's still pretty bankrupt. And, um, so this, this work of how do you get to the end of your day and in that posture of being able to say, I'm glad I did in lieu of saying, I wish I had, um, I think it starts being taken, being easy on ourselves and the little bit of data that I have on this as my own little test case is telling me that the more I can do that, the more I will take that posture to the other people that I've been entrusted. And again, I'm not, I'm nowhere near batting 500 on this, but at least there is that little nudge when the false self gets offended, when the ego flares up a bit and you just go time out, time out, time out. What's, what are we offended about here? What are we upset about here? Um, and you have this mutuality, as you call it, this mirroring, this um, com- compassion is is when the veil of separation disappears. That, is, and to me, sure, I, I don't think I made that up. Surely someone has said that, and I'm quoting it. But 
Um, Still I, I gonna think, write it down anyways. Yeah, but I think I think compassion is when the veil of separation disappears. When although I'm not you, I'm no other than you, and um, uh, that that to me is uh, is a life worth living. This has been really fun and 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 beautiful. Just just even for you to share some of the vulnerability of, of your story and not only what you've learned from facing the hard and burning out, but also just this reality that you're continuing to learn and seeking and, and, and never really giving up to saying, ah, I figured it out now. And so I definitely want to say thank you for while you still have your day job, uh, you know, taking, taking your time to share the wisdom of all these people you encounter and read and speak to back back with us as the community. I think that's a, it seems so simple, but yet it's so profound. And and I would love for people to have the opportunity to to connect with you and, and to, to listen to your podcast. There's, you know, the best place if you want to listen to some of these conversations I'm having, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, if you type in Ashton Gustafson or Good, True, and Beautiful, uh, you'll find them there. My website is AshtonGustafson.com. Um, Instagram, Ashton Gustafson. Twitter, same thing. I'm grateful for your work, too. And, and I love that uh, you're investing time to have these conversations because they do. They, there's something that happens within our communities when we start passing this stuff back and forth. And um, 99% of what I may have shared here tonight may not strike a chord, but if, if there's one phrase or a Jim Finley quote or anything like that, that that gets us to a new place, a new way of seeing, a new way of being in the world, then, then that's, that's a win. Mm-hmm.